Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. That's how we live a holy life. We live a holy life by way of the Holy Spirit that fills us to wholeness, to fullness, to where our lives become rivers of living water, torrents, powerful torrents of living water. And it all comes down to love. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ephesians. If we envision a flash flood ripping through a narrow canyon that gives us a beautiful image of the way the Holy Spirit works in our hearts... As Pastor J.D. explains in today's message, when we open ourselves up to let the Holy Spirit fill us, His love will come in like a torrent, filling every crack and tearing down anything that resists it. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ephesians chapter 5 with part 1 of his message, The Source of Love. Let's get into the Word of God. Ephesians chapter 5 today, just two verses, verses 1 and 2. And I'll have you turn there if you're not there already, beginning in verse 1, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and by the Holy Spirit says, verse 1, Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and verse 2, walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is one of those teachings that I, and I don't do this very often, but I change the title like seven times. I mean, I, I try to title the expositional teaching of God's Word pertaining to where we're at in God's Word. And this is one of those places in God's Word where the first title I chose, I'm looking at it and I'm just, no, that's not really quite it. And then the second title was really not (laughs) it. And then about the sixth, seventh time, the Lord just kind of hit me upside the head as oftentimes He needs to. And gave me this title of the source of love. And the reason I chose that title is because God is love, and as such, the source of love. It's not that God has love. No, God is love. And that's the source from which we too can love. Here in chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is continuing his exhortation from the previous chapter. And in so doing, he's actually sort of setting the stage for what he's going to address in the rest of the epistle. For those of you who read ahead and stay ahead, you know what's in store for us in the rest of this epistle really good nuts and bolts practical information and application as it relates to the Christian life, the Christian marriage, 
the Christian career, the Christian workplace, and all of the above. But more specifically, he needs to sort of lay this foundation of the paramount importance of love. It all comes down to love, without which we, as God's people, will have no hope of living a godly and holy life. And please don't get tripped up on this word holy. We're to be holy as he is holy. And that can be kind of intimidating on its face. I like to see holiness and say of holiness that it's wholeness, not half, not three quarters, but whole and full. A holy life is a fulfilled life, a life that is filled with the Holy Spirit. I know this might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, but Holy Spirit, holy life, I know, deeply profound, isn't it? (laughs) That's how we live a holy life. We live a holy life by way of the Holy Spirit that fills us to wholeness, to fullness, to where our lives become rivers of living water, torrents, powerful torrents of living water. And it all comes down to love. In order to better understand what it is that Paul is saying when he says that we're to walk in the way of love, we need to bring in the last verse in the previous chapter for the sake of context. And the reason is, is that we're provided with the how of the Spirit of God, which empowers us to do the what of the Word of God. It's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, and listen to what the Apostle Paul says here. He says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, and here it is, just as in Christ God forgave you. Notice that God enables us to forgive others vis-a-vis the forgiveness that God has first given to us. That's the source. Let me say it this way. The source of forgiveness is having been forgiven. God is the source of our forgiveness, which fuels, if you will, us in our forgiving of others. How can I forgive you? Because God has first forgiven me. Enter the text that's before us today. The Apostle Paul is connecting the dots between forgiving one another and loving one another. And the common denominator is this source such that forgiveness 
and love for each other comes by way of God's forgiveness and love for each and every one of us. Just as we're able to forgive each other because God forgave us, so too will we be able to love each other as God loves us. I know I've shared this many times in the past, but early in our marriage, I thought I was being so profound and spiritual and godly, and I just had this moment of inspiration, and I wanted to share this inspiration with my wife, just to express to her my love for her. And so I said to her, Honey, God has given me a love for you that can only come from him. To which she, as only a wife can, responded. Really? (laughs) You mean I'm so unlovable that the only way you can love me is if God gives you a love for me? I'm like... (laughs) Where did you get that? How did you do that? Listen, wives, we love you, okay? But how do you do that? How can you take something that is so from the heart, so sincere, so genuine, and and take it and just, I mean, twist it into this pretzel that looks nothing like that which we had originally intended it to be. And so I had to try to explain to her, no, that's, that's not it at all. I am told that I have to love you as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And there's no way that I can love you that way unless God is the source of the love, so I can love you that way. Whenever I do a wedding, which I love doing weddings, I always talk to the husband about loving his wife, which is exactly what Paul's going to talk about next, loving his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And then sometimes I will even query the groom right there, in the middle of the wedding ceremony, and I'll say, how are you going to do that? And really puts them on the spot. You can hear the collective gasp from amongst all of those in attendance. And I answer the question for him, which takes the pressure off of him. And I say to him, you can't. There's no way. It's impossible for you to love her that way. The only way you can love her that way is with the love that God gives you for her. That's the only way. And that's what Paul is saying here. Now, notice in verse 1 where Paul says, follow God's example. I like how another translation renders it because it really captures what the Apostle Paul is saying here. He says, be imitators of God as dearly loved children. Now, why do I point this out? Because children will imitate 
their parents naturally, just as children of God will imitate their heavenly father supernaturally. I remember when my oldest son was like six, seven years old, and we're sitting down for dinner, and we're getting into a discussion slash argument, and he is arguing with me, contending with me, and my wife looks at me and says to me, how does it feel to argue with yourself. <laughs> and that's you. That's, he's, he's, he's imitating you. My daughter, Sabia, very dramatic and expressive. And, and she, she's, not, <laughs> she's not bashful or shy. And I'll even ask her, you know, before you get up to sing, I mean, you know, here last year she sings before 80,000 people at the U.S. Tennis Open in New York. And I asked her, I said, are, are you nervous? She says, no. <laughs> I'm nervous for you. I mean, she just has this, this um, way about her. And when she talks, she's, she's you know, puts her hand and, and she'll put her hands and point. And, and one day my, my wife just kind of taps me on the shoulder and goes, where do you think she got that from? You know how it is, husbands, right? We want to say, hey, she gets that from you, honey. <laughs> no, she gets it from you. <laughs> She's kind of imitating your mannerisms and your behavior and even just the way you talk. We were at a, a graduation uh, award ceremony uh, Wednesday night at Kalaheo High School. My uh, 17-year-old son, Levi, is going to graduate uh, this Wednesday. <laughs> So I'm waxing all, you know, sentimental and sappy and because it was in the gym. And I made this comment to him. I said, you know, Levi, it just seems like yesterday I was here registering you for high school. He's going, stop it. What are you going to do, cry? Maybe. <laughs> it just went so fast. And now we're in that gym and. He's going to get an award, and so proud of him. And so after the ceremony, this teacher comes up to me and says, Are you Levi's dad? I'm always a little careful initially to respond quickly because it depends. <laughs> Why do you want to know? What did he do? <laughs> no, uh, are you Levi? Yes. Uh, I just want to tell you turns out she's a sister in Christ. She says, I want to just tell you that you really raised him right. He has a joy about him. He loves the Lord. He's grounded. <laughs> I'm, I'm bawling, you know. <laughs> oh, 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 I really needed to hear that. And she's just going on and on and on about my son. And as she's talking, I never talked to her before, never met her before. And then she just looks at me and she says, he got that from you. <laughs> I'm on the floor, you know, <laughs> weeping and bawling. And we imitate those with whom we spend the most time with and are around the most, right? 
Do you see where I'm going with this? Does this not presuppose that we're spending time with and are close enough to the Lord to begin with in order to become like Him? That's how it works. There's this fascinating account in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, where Peter and John were on trial for preaching Jesus and his resurrection from the dead. We're told that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, boldly proclaimed that salvation is found in no one, for there is no other name except the name of Jesus by which we must be saved. Then in verse 13, we're told that when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, (laughs) they were astonished. And here's why. Because they took note that these men had been with Jesus. In other words, they've been around Jesus so much that that's why they're able to do this and proclaim this. That's why they have such boldness. That's why they have such courage. They have been with Jesus. Oh, would to God that it would be said of us, he's been with Jesus. Look at how he's acting. Look at how he's talking. Look at how he's behaving. Obviously, he's been with the Lord. Charles Spurgeon said this, If we are imitators of God as dear children, men will be compelled to recollect that there is a God, for they will see his character reflected in ours. I have heard of an atheist who said he could get over every argument except the example of his godly mother. He could never answer that. There is no answer for that. Now the question becomes one of, what is it about certain people like this godly mother Spurgeon refers to that would cause the world to say they've been with Jesus? In a word, love. Love. It all comes down to and is predicated upon love. Love is the test by which will be known as believers in and followers of, disciples of Jesus Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. There's the source again. As I have loved you, that's the source for you in turn to love one another. So you must love one another. By this, listen, 
Everyone will know that you are my disciples. And he says it again. If you love one another. That's how they're going to know. Like that song of old. They will know us by our love. By our love. By the way, that works the other way too. And I'll explain what I mean. It goes both ways. You don't think that Satan knows that it's by our love one for another that we'll be identified as disciples of Jesus Christ? If that's the test, if that's the gauge by which they're going to know, the world's going to know by our love one for another that we're with Jesus, then wouldn't it stand to reason that if it's our love for one another, that we're known as disciples of Jesus, that it would conversely be our backbiting and fighting and devouring of one another, that they would question it? Absolutely. Think about what Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. He says to them, you know what you're doing? You're backbiting, you're gossiping, you're slandering, you're fighting, you're devouring each other. You're going to destroy each other. You keep doing that, you're going to destroy each other. And, And the world is watching, by the way. The world watches us, and they read us like a letter. We are living epistles. How does your epistle read? How does your letter read? If someone is reading the letter of your life, what are they reading? How does the letter of yours and my life read? One of the things that I found myself asking the Lord for in recent years, is to make me more loving towards other people. And it's interesting, that's a a prayer you want to think twice before you pray, because you may not like the way that God's going to answer that prayer. You really want me to make you more loving towards other people? Have more compassion? Be kind? towards others, okay, and then God breaks you, and he humbles you, and he brings you to that place where you drink ever so deeply from the cup of his love, and it changes you forever. When you're on the receiving end of God's love for you, at times like that, You can't help but have more compassion and kindness and love and patience for other people. After we accept Jesus into our lives, we start a journey of faith with Him. We don't always grow in our faith, though. Pastor J.D.'s messages in the book of Ephesians encourage us to continually seek to grow deeper and deeper in our relationship with our Savior. We can't get comfortable and complacent in our walks. By spending time with other believers, diving into the Word, and spending time in communication with Jesus, we'll continue to grow closer to Him. We're so glad you tuned in to Pastor J.D. Farag's teaching today. We'd like to tell you how you can access additional messages. Simply visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on Listen to search through our archive of Pastor J.D.'s teachings. Take these messages with you on the go with our mobile app. 
This app is free and provides you with hours of insight into the Bible, helpful links, and even the latest editions of Pastor J.D.'s Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. looks into the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. These messages are new each weekend and will help you put world events into perspective. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are also available to watch on our YouTube channel, which you can access through InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Join us on Facebook as well and keep up to date on everything that's happening at In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor J.D. will continue studying through the book of Ephesians next time on In Spirit and Truth.